0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We have in our gospel lesson this morning a fantastical parable. Searching for the right word. I think whimsical is not quite right. I think fantastical is really the right word. And we'll get to why. A vineyard owner developed and cultivated a vineyard. And then he leased it to tenants and went into another country. That sets the stage for our parable. Now, when harvest time came, the time at which the vineyard owner would rightfully receive the fruit of the vineyard, he sent servants to collect it. But the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. So far, so good, but this Next thing is where the, the parable really turns fantastical. Because the owner of the vineyard did not send a police force to arrest these evildoers. He did not muster an army, he sent more servants. He sent more servants. And what did they do to the second wave of servants? The same thing they did to the first. Surely now the owner of the vineyard will gather the necessary forces to address this terrible wrong. No. Now he sends his son. He says, surely they'll respect my son. And the wicked tenants then killed the son, hoping to become heirs of the vineyard. And what is more shocking to you that... The wickedness that you see in these tenants, or the persistent optimism of the vineyard owner. They're both shocking. That's why I say it's a fantastical parable, because no one in their right mind would do this, right? You wouldn't just keep sending servants to collect the fruits and let them be treated so shamefully. Or would you? So Jesus spoke this parable in the temple. This is the week of his crucifixion. This basically picks up right where we left off last week. It's a string of parables that he is speaking, and he's speaking it to the chief priests and elders. These are the religious leaders of Jerusalem and of the people, uh, the Jewish people. So he... Tells him this parable and then he says, What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants? Notice their response, which is immediate and definitive. He will put those wretches, he'll put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Now, this response to me has always been shocking because of its lack of situational awareness because the uh, religious leaders don't seem to be understanding that Jesus is talking about them in this parable. Not yet, they will understand. But they don't see it because their response is, oh, that's awful, that's terrible. Put these people out. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will run them out of town and and, uh, get rid of them. And then... Turn this vineyard over to someone who will treat it rightly and give, its, give fruits in its proper season. So they don't understand that Jesus has spoken the parable against them. They don't understand that they're representatives of Israel. And remember that Israel had this uh, ignominious history, You know this um, uh, history of killing the prophets, stoning the ones that were sent to them. Even now, the religious leaders of Israel stand before the Son of God and won't see it, won't see him. They have rejected John the baptizer. Remember, John was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And these wicked tenants which is what they are, these religious leaders are the wicked tenets that will not receive either John the Baptist or Jesus, the Messiah, God incarnate. Well, since they can't connect the dots, Jesus is gonna connect the dots for them. And he's, that's why he says, have you never read the scriptures? Of course they've read it. He knows it. He's asking this rhetorically. Have you never read? What he means is, Why don't you understand the thing that you have read many times before, which is the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, before they accept that Jesus is the Messiah, the first thing they need to do is accept that the Messiah is not going to be the one they thought it was going to be. Right? We talked about that this morning in Bible study that that there might that there there may have been this idea that Jesus or that the Messiah would be this conquering king who's like twenty feet tall and shoots lightning from his fingertips. You know, that's the messiah they're looking for. So the first thing they need to understand is no, that's not what you should be looking for in the Messiah. The Messiah is Much more than some conquering titan, Uh, titan, sorry. Uh, First, the Messiah would be rejected. Oh, we didn't see that coming. We didn't know that that the Messiah would be rejected. First, the Messiah would suffer. Messiah would come not to be served, but to serve. Messiah's very rejection would ultimately be the cornerstone on which the church is built. That's the shocking thing that they did not see. The Messiah, uh, the Messiah being rejected, that's what is, and suffering on the cross, that would be the cornerstone of the church. What is possibly more shocking is Then the patience and long-suffering of God, our Heavenly Father, is the way in which God takes our worst and most evil deeds and turns them into a blessing. Think about it. What what would the vineyard owner do? In this parable, Jesus asked, what will the vineyard owner do? And their response is, oh, he'll, he'll gather up these wicked tenants and kick them out and bring someone else in. He would put those wretches to a miserable death. That's how how it's rendered in our translation. What would the vineyard owner do? He'd put those wretches to a miserable death. But that's not how the vineyard owner acts. Vineyard owner, God the Father, responds to the treachery, to the wickedness, to the killing of the son by using that sacrifice as the means by which those wicked sins that were being committed at that time would be put away. That those very people who were there crucifying him would be forgiven. This is the paradox of the cross, that they were there crucifying Jesus and he was forgiving them and begging, Father, forgive them. God can take our worst and most evil deeds and turn them around. And so he did in the case of Jesus being put to death. But that's how God responds. That's how the vineyard owner responds, graciously, lovingly optimistic, giving every opportunity with patience and long-suffering. Many of us have relied on God's patience before. Jesus was speaking this parable directly to the religious leaders. But it's also spoken to each one of you. You have killed the prophets. You have stoned the ones that are sent to you. You do that as you fail to heed God's word. And whenever you sin, you cast his word aside. You block your ears. You cover your eyes as you defy the living God. And that's what we do when we sin is we kill the ones sent with this message. So Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders, but there is this sense in which he is speaking this same thing to each of us that, we're, that we see that, that we're a part of that. And we're not immune from that. We can't just say, oh, that was them so long ago. No, we, we do that too ourselves. And how does God respond? Does he uh, put these miserable wretches out and kill them? No. He comes to you just as patiently and long-suffering as ever. God comes to you and to me. He's full of steadfast love. He comes to you working faith in you. Faith which... Is not of our own doing. Faith which he gives us and and gives us this faith which clings to the promises that he has made to us. The promise of everlasting life. The promise that that it is the blood of Christ that has been shed for you, for your sins. The promise that In Christ, we have the vicarious satisfaction of our sins, atonement of all of our sins. See, that is the cornerstone on which the church is built. And he comes to you with these gifts of word and sacrament that you may receive them. Not as a, not as a, as a, A judgment. It's a gift. You receive this gift of word and sacrament in which God works forgiveness, sanctifies you, and sanctifies me. So, what do we do? We receive these gifts with thanksgiving. That's what we do. So, hear the word and believe. Come forward this morning and receive the sacrament for the forgiveness of your sins, and believe it, and receive it with thanksgiving. Thanks be to God. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.